Today's episode of Ringer FC is brought to you by the Ringer NFL Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. American football season is fast approaching. Real football has been started for a little while, but we're, we're excited for American football too. So get prepared with the Ringer's NFL experts, Robert Mays, Kevin Clark, Mike Lombardi, as well as guests from the league and beyond. They'll be covering every snap, every down, and every play, so don't miss out on the action. Subscribe and listen to the Ringer NFL show, available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. to Ringer FC, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. My name is Chris Ryan. I am joined by Michael Peters. Whoa, whoa. Ryan O'Hanlon. This is the best day of my life. Donnie Kwok in New York City. Yeah, man. And I am Bobby Cannavale <laughs> in vinyl inhaling these rumors. It is almost transfer deadline day and there are so many new, like just absolutely scandalous stories coming across the tabloids, the Guardian, no matter whether you're looking at a guy on Twitter with three followers or you're following like the Times UK's stodgy, like perhaps this deal will go through by the <laughs> first. It's all happening. We're going to get to three specific transfers that we are all very fascinated by because they're changing, the, like not changing the shape of transfer deadline day, but they're you, they are different than the what kinds of transfers we usually see. That's the Naby Keita to Liverpool deal, the Kylian Mbappe from uh, Monaco to PSG deal and the possible trade of Alexis Sanchez from Arsenal to Manchester City for Raheem Sterling and Cash. Sterling is quote bemused by this rumor. <laughs> uh, we let's just like run down what's going on today. We're also going to do some massive overreactions of the Premier League this weekend and answer some zonal question marks. And then we're going to get into a larger conversation, sort of more of a macro conversation about transfer deadline day. But first. Let's talk about where it's all going off, Ryan. Somewhere in a van <laughs> in Liverpool. It might be Virgil van Dijk. It might be Thomas Lamar from Monaco. So basically, Liverpool fans have convinced themselves that a plane landed and a van picked someone up from a plane in Merseyside. And that this same van has been used in previous Liverpool transfers. Yes. Take it away, Ryan. So some guy saw a private plane land at Liverpool Airport from the Bournemouth airport, and they cross-referenced the license plates on the van yes. <laughs> to the same van that picked up Andy Robertson, <laughs> Mohamed Salah, and Jurgen Klopp when they <laughs> all joined the club. And then they figured out what kind of plane it was, and they found an Instagram that Virgil van Dyke posted earlier this summer, and it's some sort of Cessna plane. And apparently it's the exact same interior that van Dyke is sitting in. And someone just tweeted this at me. Why he would be at Bournemouth and not Southampton is that the Southampton airport has 2,000 fewer feet of runway than Bournemouth, so you can only fly a private plane out of Bournemouth, I guess. Oh, my God. And Back and to the left. So Back and to the left. And <laughs> the final thing is that there's like a fr- flight tracking website that just crash because so many Liverpool fans are on it. I love it. I love your passion, Liverpool. What do you, th- what do you think of this, Micah? <laughs> I mean, like, I would actually like more uh, 
noise to signal in my silly season, not less. I'm like, I'm, I'm totally, I'm totally with the idea of doing this whole super sleuth spy thing. Um, it's definitely more entertaining when nothing happens that you think is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, like, I'm enjoying the ride so far. Donnie is but- quiet because Donnie is just getting his, like his team is just becoming like atomized. But <laughs> Donnie, do you enjoy these kinds of rumors? These kinds of stories? They're pretty fun. Donnie, yeah, do you need are. a hug? Are people <laughs> are, are people just waiting literally for people to come out of the, this van? I, I think that the idea is that I think they're tracking the van. It's now we're recording this at 10 a.m. in Los Angeles on Tuesday. It is now 6 p.m. in England, and I, I have no idea how late the phones are ringing there. So yeah, maybe they're still following this van. Maybe the van went into an underground tunnel that could go to a number of <laughs> destinations in the Northwest. I'm not sure. Uh, Liverpool has actually done a pretty good job keeping their name out there. They have been obviously stymied over the course of the summer when in their pursuits for a lot of their targets like Van Dyke. Uh, they made they brought the Kaida deal over the line. We'll talk about that later. And they are now heavily linked with Monaco's Thomas Lamar. My favorite part about Deadline Day, by the way, is how everybody immediately becomes an expert about whoever yeah. their oh, team yeah. is linked with. Yeah. Oh, fancy a bit of Lamar! Yeah. yeah! I saw eight minutes of him in Champions <laughs> Liverpool, like, Lamar has been linked with basically every team other than Liverpool yeah. before the past week, and now everyone's like, oh, Lamar, is, that's he's gonna put that's the player Liverpool has always needed to be put yeah. over the Get top. out, Philip Coutinho. <laughs> <laughs> GTFO. Uh, let's run through some of the other news from today's aside. So Liverpool apparently has are prepared to make a 150 million pound bid in in double like you know for both Lamar and Van Dyke. So cumulatively 150 million. They've already done the Cata deal. Uh this is a very interesting Liverpool adjacent thing, and I promise that I'm not trying to keep on Liverpool. It's just that they're in the news a lot. Uh, Sacco to Palace, which has been rejected by Liverpool. Uh, that Mabadou Sacco, who is a up and down player, I think a little, uh, little that bit. I think is that's that's a, a very streaky defender. It's generous. Mercurial. No. <laughs> um, I don't know which story is weirder: the fact that Liverpool has rejected Crystal Palace's reported twenty-something million pound offer to buy Sacco, which you'd think yeah, I'd bite your hand off for that, yeah. or the amazing race for Johnny Evans, which the is thing now is that <laughs> I like. Listen, all right, Johnny Evans is not somebody. Like, I mean. It's not somebody that you think that like you should be having this sort of race over. But the thing is that like when he came in to when he stepped into the center back role in Manchester United, I mean like you knew basically what you were getting week in week out. I mean, and I guess crap. crap? Like, yeah, <laughs> Johnny Evans is like the there was that era of Man U players that Sir Alex Ferguson brought in like Anderson and Tom Cleverley, and everyone was like, oh shit, the next generation's here, and then. Ferguson left, and we were all like, actually, these guys suck. Is Anderson in football I mean, anymore? Stop gaps. <laughs> I mean, I, I have no idea. I I mean, like, uh, you know what? Let me not talk about it. Well, Leicester has so been. I don't have anything nice to say. City's been rumored for Johnny. Johnny Evans now plays for West Brom. Yeah. Leicester has been rumored for him. Man City have inexplicably been linked. I mean, Johnny Evans has a really good agent. He, uh, Man City has been linked with him for a couple of weeks. Liverpool got muted a little bit. Brought up a little bit this morning, and now Arsenal apparently have thrown their hat in the ring uh, to get him because you know yeah, why not trade? Yeah. They got to get rid of Mustafi, Literally who they anything. just bought, so that they can get Johnny Evans. And nothing it goes better than when Arsenal buy old Manchester United defenders. Is that right, Johnny? <laughs> yeah, all praise due Sylvester. Yeah, I know. that was that was dark. If you think this is dark, man, you guys don't know about Sylvester. Let's talk a little bit 
about Arsenal, Donnie, which is you wrote yesterday about this transfer. It looks like it's done deal, although apparently there are rumors that Chamberlain has other ideas about going to Chelsea. But Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, $35 million in the last season of his contract. He rejected a $180,000 a week wage package from Arsenal, and he is apparently on his way to Chelsea, although there are rumors that Liverpool are still in the mix for him. Yeah, I mean, it all kind of goes back to the question right now of who really wants to play for the Arsenal? Mm, Everybody wants off now. And the fact that I wrote about this yesterday on The Ringer, the fact that the Ox, who was one of the British core, quote unquote, is now turning his back on Arsene Wenger, it's kind of indicates that the players, even the coddled players, are now giving up hope. Right. And that that core was, yeah, it was Ramsey, Gibbs... Uh, Carl Jenkinson, Jack Wilshire. Is Carl Jenkinson Carl not Jenkinson. I mean, <laughs> looking at Carl Jenkinson. Ma- Carl Jenkinson makes Johnny Evans look like uh, Paolo Maldini. <laughs> Jenkinson is now in Birmingham, and he's already hurt. Uh, Aaron Ramsey is Aaron Ramsey. We all know what Aaron Ramsey's up to. Wilshire's broken, obviously. You know, Gibbs is on his way to Brom. It looks like. And then, yeah, Ox is gone, too. So. I love the way that you talk about Arsenal like you're like down at the end of the bar in a dive bar like <laughs> as a really sad Dolly Parton song. <laughs> it is strange. I mean, we could talk about this later, but Chelsea has this system where they basically have 63, 65 guys who are out on loan. And it, it basically have like three senior teams that are playing throughout U- Europe. Yeah. But Arsenal is like three players over the limit, and they're just like, well, we can't do anything until we get rid of this dude that we just bought. It's really. It's a, I just don't understand what's happening there. And they have nine players out of contract next year. It's it's, it's like the, the front office mismanagement is is nuts. We'll talk it's more about com- that. It's a comedy of mismanagement right now, and it's probably the lowest point, if possible, you know, in the in the Wenger era. That's wild, man. Okay, so let's just run through some of these rumors. I the, so the, the, what I said before is <laughs> relatively well founded. This is just torture. For I Micah, have basically, uh, this scraped section. the dark web for these. So uh, shout out to um, newspapers in England that may tribal or may not football. be real, like Daily Star and Tribal Football. <laughs> okay, my favorite. One, Micah, this one's for you. Marcus Rashford to Barcelona. You're just saying that to hurt me. You know, I mean, he was really, he was disrespected. They disrespected him by dropping him <laughs> against Leicester. Agreed. And if I were him, I would, I would want to turn, I would want to turn it back around on Mourinho. Go, go where he would never want you to go, Barcelona. Really? Discuss. Really? Discuss. Just as like you know, he gets he gets moved out of the team for one week, and and now you want to like you want to go to Barcelona, huh? <laughs> That's really how that's that's what's hot in the streets, right? I'm kidding. That's... Anyway, like, there's no shot. There's no like. I mean, there's no. He's not going anywhere. We're not moving. Like, it's not good very, enough for Barcelona. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> doesn't make. He's not good enough for Barcelona anyway. The this article that I'm seeing, this is definitely not real. But it says a fee of 185 million pounds is being touted for the 19 year old. Yeah, Rashford scored eleven goals in his entire career so yeah. far. He's got nine <laughs> less. Like, he would probably be like. He's there to t- like drive Usman Dembele around. Like I don't even know like I, what he would be doing there. I honestly have no idea. Like I mean, like he's. I, it, it, listen, this he, is he, a guy he, he who saw well. that Rashford got dropped and is making something. Or up. it's yeah. like Rashford's agent has the worst, like almost over the top tactics of right. like leaking info. Okay, this is the one that I am most excited about. It's not going to happen, but it is. I think have a, a kind of a patina of reality which is bailed to United. United I mean, prints money. United wants big-name Galacticos to sell shirts and make themselves, like, you know, 
consolidate their position on the top of the global football pecking order. They're back in the Champions League. They're undefeated. I think but eventually that will happen. I think this is going to happen. I mean, it'll and, happen, but it, it's not going to happen like by Friday. By Friday, exactly. I mean, like it's. Bale has been going to United every summer for the last. I mean, since he signed for for Real Madrid. Yeah. Like so, yeah. I I mean, I, like I take that obviously with a massive grain of salt. The twist of lime. He's not going to be. He's not going to be coming before the transfer. He deadline. got. Uh, I I, th- I, th- I think I saw that he got booed during uh, yeah. Real's game this weekend. I mean, he's yeah. also been getting harassed by Real Madrid fans ever since he got there. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Zidane has his 11 and Bale is occasionally in it. But um, it does it does seem like he's having a little bit of a tough time in Spain. Okay, uh, one that I think would be just pornographic in terms of, of being able to watch it would be Julian Draxler from PSG to Borussia Dortmund. Yeah. Um, I don't know if this is going to happen. I know that PSG... Theoretically, and we'll get to this later, needs to move off some of the deals they have. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Draxler is a weird player who's like awesome, but I probably is like maybe annoying because he keeps getting sold and or and or not bought by the teams that are rumored to be linked with him. So like well, Arsenal I mean, has been forever linked with Draxler. He's really good though. He's yeah. I mean, like he's a great. I mean, like he's he's good except for when he moves central, I guess. Right. Like, I mean, but at, at the same time, like he's been. It, it, the, you spoke to it about him being so, not sold to teams and moving on to different teams and so on and so forth. I mean, like he forced that trade from uh, was it Schalke to Wolfsburg or was it Wolfsburg to Schalke? I can't Schalke remember. Schalke to Wolfsburg. I feel like right. he went back Special and forth word. between those teams. Right. Yeah. He, he, right. He he forced. Yeah, it. Yeah, and then the same thing with going to PSG. Yeah. And then now they bought every good. You know, attacking player ever, and I mean, like, there's no place for him anymore. But yeah, and we, and we have to remember that it's a World Cup year. So yeah, yeah. These guys these, all want to play. This is yeah. true. Yeah. yeah, that's why Bale wants to go to United. He might not play in, for Wales. Yeah. <laughs> his, his position is in doubt. Uh, Danny Drinkwater to Chelsea. This has been talked about almost all summer. I guess so. Uh, Such there's a weird a, one. Yeah, the pretty interesting article Whatever. in the Telegraph about Chelsea trying to reestablish a British identity. I will leave the jokes to the side there. <laughs> uh, Neymar has told Coutinho not to join Barcelona. Let me use this like a shower gel and rub it all over yeah. me. <laughs> I love this one. Sleeper agent Neymar. And probably the f- the funniest rumor, although apparently not in doubt, I mean, we're not completely unfounded, is Renato Sanchez, who we've written about on The Ringer, really, really exciting bulldog of a midfielder, Portuguese midfielder, who plays for Bayern, was bought by Bayern for like, what, 45, 50 million euros a couple years ago, two years ago. Stashed. And uh, has not really been able to break into the team consistently. That There are rumors that he could be loaned to Swansea. It's bizarre, but Claude Makalele is an assistant coach at Swansea. Oh, wow. I I don't know if if Swansea is the uh, central midfield uh, finishing school. But that, that is really the only way that it makes any sense to me. Um, and Paul Clement, you know, managed Real Madrid um, or so he was an assistant at Real Madrid. So he has some contacts, of, yeah. Yeah, he has some contacts. Um, is Sanchez a Jorge Mendes uh, a player? I assume so. So, you know, basically, like, Mendes clients are rarely in the same place for that long. Yeah, but yeah. then he would, you know, if he was going to England, you would think he was going to... Wolverhampton, Wolverhampton. Yeah. Where, uh, <laughs> it might be control. a little below his level. Can okay. I add one? Can I add one rumor? Uh, oh, absolutely, Donnie. A, a Dortmund shock swoop for Mesut Ozil. Oof. I would love I like that. It. Let me Please tell you go. something. If Please you guys, go. if you guys have 
an hour and a half to kill, you should be like on the weekend after all the other things you do and after watching whatever Premier League team you're watching and after like watching college football this this coming weekend or whatever. Watch Dortmund. Dortmund are playing out of their minds right now. It's so fun to watch Pulisic and Nuri Sahin is playing really well and they're just such a fun team. I, Ozil, that's the type of team Ozil needs to be on. Like a happy, yeah. fun-loving team where he can come in maybe in the 60th minute and change the game, start some games, like add a little... <laughs> I know he doesn't change... The, are you laughing at me? Well, I mean, <laughs> Ozil on the bench. Yeah. There's no way he's going to come off the bench. There's, there's no way he's going to come off the bench. And the other thing is, like, imagine Ozil trying to, like, press in the way that Dorman presses. I know. Like, it would be incredible to see... Uh, I mean, it's just like maybe it would be a new lease on about, life for him, though. Yeah, but I mean, like thinking about having to go from like playing the way that the kind of defense that Arsenal plays to playing the kind of defense that Dortmund plays, yeah. like being able to press that high and run for that long, is I mean, just watching him against Liverpool this weekend, it would be like he'd you know have like a wasteful pass, ball's going back the other way, and he's just like, ugh. Yeah, Donnie is. But correct me if I'm wrong, but Mesut Ozil does not look as disinterested when he plays for Germany, right? No, I mean, I think I was reading something about this. It's because uh, you know people were conjecturing that because he has other world class players all around him, and that could conceivably replace him on the bench as well. Whereas at Arsenal, he knows that he's always going to be in the eleven, and so therefore he doesn't have to try quite as hard. Right. I mean, I think it's also like Germany has a plan when they're attacking and players that are making smart runs, and that makes Ozil look better when he lifts his head up and he has like three guys to play a through ball to. All right. Well, I like that idea. I guess I'm 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 in a in my own world. There. I would love to see it, but I would love. To I don't see, it see too. like t- we're talking about staying healthy in a World Cup here. I feel like Ozil going into the Dorman system immediately is a tearing risk. his hamstring. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, let's get on to some massive overreactions from the Premier League. Yes, Sterling. It's Danilo, it's Sterling, and Manchester City have won it in the seventh minute of stoppage time. Okay, we're going to get into some massive overreactions from the Premier League this weekend, and we're going to start with this one. Raheem Sterling's goal celebration (laughs) reverse Brexit. (laughs) Remain! (laughs) I love this goal celebration. I know that, uh, I know that it's, you know, you want to have a safe football stadium number one want to have a place where everybody can go and enjoy a day out number two though my favorite goal celebration of all time is Carlos Tevez's first goal for West Ham where he tore off his shirt and (laughs) ran and then leapt into the stands like friggin Eddie Vedder in the Alive video (laughs) and just got swarmed by all these West Ham fans I love the connection between the players and the crowd it's one of the best things about the Premier League specifically, but like one of the best things about football is just like people's ability to just like run up and touch like the people out there in a way. I know that gets dangerous. I know I can understand why it was all absolute scenes going off and people were a little concerned about people's safety. But what did you think, Ryan, of the goal celebration? This was the Jeremy Corbyn of goal celebrations, yes. in my opinion. Um, <laughs> I I don't always agree with Alan Shearer. I'd, I actually never agree with Alan Shearer except in this <laughs> situation. Like, so this is a game where. City is sort of pounding on board in the skull throughout the game, mm-hmm. and then they finally break through in the 97th minute, yeah. was it? <laughs> Very once generous. You, yeah. Once you score that goal, you don't f- have any fucking idea what you're doing. <laughs> like, <laughs> you like you just lose your shit, and you, you see the City fans, so yeah. you run into the stands, and then the fact that that gets Sterling another yellow card, and then he 
I don't. Is he, is he technically sent off? Even he's though sent off. Is. There's there's also afters with uh, like I don't know why I say afters. I listen to too many British podcasts. <laughs> there's also some stuff going on after the fact where a steward had apparently put hands on a Man City fan and Aguero yeah, tried yeah. to tear yeah. the steward off of him and then they got into a shoving match and then there was like initially reports that the steward was like filing assault charges against Aguero and then those were like <laughs> yeah dispelled. Well, it turns out that Aguero literally just like kind of pulled. Yeah, his arm and the guy was like, like probably saw dollar signs. I mean. Yeah, Stewards are not MI6 agents. You know what yeah. I mean? like, I'm sure that they're very good at their jobs, but like they're not exactly like Her Majesty's Secret Service. The thing that I love, Micah, was the fact that after it had clearly become a situation that needed like security attention, Benjamin Mendy is still there, like geeing up yeah. all the yeah, fans. He's like he's Benjamin Benjamin Mendy's standing off camera, just going more like he's just like waving his hands yeah. up and down, like you know, just and I. It's I love Mindy. Yeah. Like <laughs> Mindy is my except for the fact that like, you know, he I, plays for Manchester he City. He plays for Manchester City. <laughs> um, but I mean, just just a really complete performance all around, bombing up and down the side of the pitch, whipping balls in, also stopping like breaking up attacks. And then also just being the just having the most gangster reaction to a to a riot jumping off at the corner flag. I know. And Ryan, you know, one thing I just wanted to mention, this is sort of a less massive overreaction from this game, is Kevin De Bruyne is now Xabi Alonso. <laughs> if you go back and watch match, match of the day, if you get a chance to watch that, they show how De Bruyne was playing in this deeper midfield distrib- distributor role and like always had five or six guys in front of him. De Bruyne typically plays an attacking position on the wing, right? Like, yeah, uh, and cuts in and does a lot of crosses and just like gets creates a lot of chances. But man, like watching him just like do Steven Gerrard's 60-yard crossfield passes and through balls from 40 yards out was pretty awesome. Yeah, I. I'm not sure how I feel about this because yeah, doesn't that negate his best? Well, De Bruyne, De Bruyne, De Bruyne yeah. is like literally like he's an elite level attacking midfielder, creating and scoring goals, and that's like there just aren't that many players like that that can fun- function that high up the field and score and create. I think there's sort of a thing that happens in soccer similar to the NBA where there are guys that they're decent attackers, but then you drop them back, and then they're actually really good attackers because they're playing in the midfield, so their attacking is more valuable. But De Bruyne, it's like you have this phenomenal player in this super important position, and then dropping him back into the midfield, he can do a great job, and it looks great, but I don't know why you would want to sort of remove this guaranteed production you have from your attack. Donnie, when you see, I guess the reason you would want to do that is because it allows Guardiola to put even one more insanely talented attacker running down on goal, and you basically create, like, secondary breaks if you have De Bruyne kind of, like, looking to see what side of the field is open because, like, you have to commit defenders to somebody out there. And then, you know, if you have these great fullbacks bombing forward plus Jesus, some combination of the two Silvas, Gabriel Jesus, Leroy Sané, like, like you just have so many options. Alexis you need Sanchez. a corp. Yeah, right. I, was about to say, I was about to say. I think he's just making room for Sanchez. What did you, Donnie? What did you think of City's performance against Bournemouth? Well, that's the thing. On evidence of the game against Bournemouth, it, it wasn't. You know, they De Bruyne playing deeper. You know, he has the ability to do that, but I don't know if that necessarily. It may make room for other players, but I don't know if that's. To me, he's the best best player, best offensive player on that whole team. So. Uh, I think he is versatile, but I think the strongest city has been in the last couple of years is when he is attacking more from the flanks and 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 in more advanced positions. 
Donnie, that was a super reasonable response. And I appreciate <laughs> now it. why you're here. But uh, I'm going to need you to dig deep because the next massive overreaction, this could have been a massive overreaction from any time over the Is last it really an overreaction? Six years. <laughs> massive I think it's just like a very reasonable reaction. Everybody, Wenger, out. <laughs> the floor is yours, Donnie. Oh, boy. Where to start? Where to start? I think... I think there's like a, just a certain resignation that has set in with Arsenal fandom um, because nothing is going to change for the next couple of years. And it's kind of like, you know, with our president, kind of, you know, I mean, it's like, not to equate. I know, I know what you're saying. Not to equate the right. professor with Donald Trump, but just the fact that. Uh, the anger has subsided now because the, the we can only accept the fact that he's going to be here till the end of 2019. And what happened on Sunday was just an abomination. I mean, where to begin? It was just a comedy of errors. It was farcical. And uh, that British core, man. I mean, like in some ways, it's sad that they've been moved on. But the, like Ramsey and Chamberlain were two of the more disinterested. I mean, you already expect Mesut Ozil not to track back or not to, like, hunt people down. But, but Ramsey on the left, yeah, why? Yeah, I mean, like, that's another thing we can get into is his insistence on playing people out of position, his idea that people need to apprentice on the left wing before they can yeah. play the position they need to play, the idea of playing Bellerin in the wrong spot, the, like... Lazaket on the bench. No, I mean, Shaka and, and, and Ramsey, neither of which are like pure central defensive midfielders, but you're going to play a high line against the fastest team in the Premier League. There's just so many, like, he just got his pants pulled down. He just got yeah. his pants pulled down. And it would be one thing if it hadn't happened before, you know? Yeah. And, uh, especially against big teams, especially you know, against I, big teams away. I just tortured myself this morning watching the highlights of the 5 1 from uh, 2014. Oof. The Suarez, Sterling, Sturridge destruction. And I mean, that was three years ago. It was, it's literally the same thing. It was the same thing happened, same ground. And in three years, I mean, obviously it's been a pattern for over three years, but it's really, really disheartening to know that that result in 2014 or the 8-2 in 2011, like these things haven't, we still get bombed by the big teams. Um, Let me ask you a question. Ways. Yeah. One thing I'm curious about is whether the uh, self-awareness of Arsenal fans is contributing to the kind of dreadful atmosphere around the team. So it's like, I know there's a Philadelphia fan that sometimes, like, if the Eagle season goes wrong, it can't go right again. Because the, the, the dread around the team and, like, the, the hatred for what's going on just kind of chokes the life out of the team. And, you know, I, I love watching Arsenal fan TV videos as much as the next person. I love a bunch of Arsenal podcasts. But it does seem like the misery surrounding the team just compounds the fact, like, do, do Arsenal fans just need to chill out? I, I don't know. I think there's obviously a contingency of fans that are probably downright miserable and can't bear to watch and are livid. But, you know, there's also something, as I was saying, kind of farcical about everything that it's almost comparable to like Knicks fans. It's kind of funny the way Arsenal capitulate and you see the media reaction to it is kind of funny. And, you know, it's a tragedy that becomes a comedy just because it's 
so expected yeah. and so predictable. Um, so there's certainly some dread, I would say, and anger or acceptance, but there's also some kind of comic underpinning to everything. Yeah, it's, that the, it's, it's like, the nature how of the can defeats. it get worse? It's, yeah. it's losing, what it was, a 10 2 to Bayern on aggregate. Yeah. It's getting blown out by Liverpool. Like, lose 2 1. Lose 2 I mean, even the, the, the team, the, the, line, the team sheet <laughs> for the next game, I'm ready to laugh at that. You know, I mean, it's well, like, you guys might not. I mean, who even knows who's going to be on the team sheet? All right, let's yeah, totally. move on to the last massive overreaction, which is one I threw in here that Tammy Abraham is better than Alvaro Morata. <laughs> hey, <laughs> listen. If case you don't know who Tammy <laughs> Abraham is, he is actually a Chelsea striker, but he has been on loan for the last couple of years, as most Chelsea players are. Uh, he is the second highest scorer. He was the second highest scorer in the championship last season for Bristol City. He was the top away scorer last season. Mm-hmm. He is 19 years old, part of a very, very promising. England youth class. I think the under 19s. What did they? They won the like a World Cup and a Euro or something like that. Like what's? Didn't they win something? They won the under 20 World Cup. Under yeah. under 20 World Cup. And Tammy Abraham played for that team. Uh, he's six foot three. He is just like this really really good finisher. He's the goalie scored against Crystal Palace this weekend. Basically, I had Mart- Martin Kelly trying to pull him down in the, the box. The thing <laughs> is that like. He can do all of, like, once he gets into space, I mean, like, he's got fly paper on his boots. He can beat a player one-on-one. But this right here is, like, where is what separates, like, starting strikers from the ones that sit on the bench. Like, thinking about that Martin Kelly goal with him shrugging him off, like, actively trying to pull him down, falling away from goal and, like, readjusting his body and, like, making that finish at the near post past the keeper. That's, like, a very high level of difficulty. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I, I, I'm I, just joking. I mean, the Murata thing is a joke, but I would be very excited. It's it's too bad that he's on loan because I would be yeah. very excited to see Tammy Abraham uh, on a bigger stage than Swansea. But that being said, he's getting a, he's going to get a lot of opportunities in Swansea until uh, Lorente comes back. Yeah, it's tough to know. I mean, it's... Uh, to temper the hype a little bit, he's, Go for it. He, he's taken six shots all season. In, <laughs> it's only uh, three games. But yeah. I'm, I'm saying Harry Kane's taken 24, just for for comparison. Like, Harry Kane hasn't scored, so yeah, maybe we should be talking Wembley, about. It. So he doesn't know where the goal is. <laughs> yeah. He's like, but, is that the goal down there? I can't hear over the drums. But like, you know what, what I'm saying is that part of the lack of shots is maybe because he's on Swansea, um, and if he was on Chelsea playing with better players, you're you're sort of creating more or getting more chances um, to let shots rip. Um, but he's not better than Murata. No. Um, no. <laughs> I, well, but speak like just Murata has been, I think we've, we were all sort of half skeptical um, coming into the season and he's basically, he's scored and created basically the entire time he's been on the field yeah, so far he, this season. He's soft though. All right, we're going to get into some zonal question marks, but first let's hear from our sponsors. Today's episode of Ringer FC is brought to you by Me Undies. You want to look good in your underwear and be comfortable, right? But that perfect balance is hard to find. Well made from sustainably sourced, naturally soft fabric that is three times softer than cotton, Me Undies will be the most comfortable pair of underwear you will ever own. For the fellas, Me Undies' diamond seamed pouch cradles your jewels and gives your stuff the support it needs without feeling too tight. Meanwhile, ladies love the soft, eco-friendly fabric, 100% satisfaction guaranteed, and right now, MeUndies has an exclusive offer 
just for Rare FC listeners. Get 20% off your first pair plus free shipping. And do not forget about that 100% satisfaction guarantee. If you don't love your first pair, you'll get a full refund. This is a no-brainer. 20% off free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee. What are you waiting for? Just go to meundies.com slash FC to get 20% off. That's free shipping, 100% satisfaction guarantee on the best, softest underwear you will ever own. That's meundies.com slash FC. It's a limited time offer. Do not wait. Start wearing the best underwear of your life. It changed my life. It's time to let MeUndies change yours. Go to meundies.com slash FC right now. All right, let's get into some zonal question marks. The guys here have some answers to some very pressing questions. Ryan, I'll start with you. What was the goal of the weekend? Goal of the weekend is Charlie Daniels versus Manchester City. Charlie Daniels, who, for all we know, could be the guy on the plane to Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> um, Bournemouth's well, Charlie Daniels. Basically, yeah. the ball sits up for him. I, I can't do the goal justice with words, but sits up to him sort of deep on the left side. And he hits with his left foot. And I think if the goal wasn't there, the ball would have went into outer space and hit a satellite. And the satellite would have been (laughs) crashing to planet Earth. Um, From what uh, someone tweeted, I think it was James York, who writes for us, no one in any of the top five leagues in Europe has scored a goal from that position with their left foot in the past five years. Really? What a a stat. Jeez, what a great get. Wow. (laughs) So that's all you need to know. Anybody else want to weigh in? Well, no, I mean, I'm just saying, like, he's brought down a satellite and scored the first original goal yeah, of the century. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, the thing that was great about Bournemouth is that they were, I mean, they, in that time, I guess, what, when did he score that? It, was, it must have been, like, in the first 10 minutes. Yeah, it was early on. Um, yeah, like, they were bearing down on Manchester City. I mean, like, going toe-to-toe with them, like, playing attack and football. I also not thought that for deep. as many, they, there were some mistakes, but I actually really liked watching. They played, uh, like, that compact. De- the, their defense was like, I was like, nice job. You guys yeah. are very organized. Like, yeah. I'm watching mm-hmm. eight guys move back and forth in unison. It, there's a couple of teams out there above Bournemouth in the pecking order that I think could learn from watching Bournemouth. All right, we've got a couple of different opinions on this one, and it's going to become a bigger story in the next couple of weeks. could become a huge one in the next 10 days. Who has the hottest manager seat? Donny. I'm going to say it has to be uh, Slavin Bilic. Slavin Bilic, West Ham manager. They caught, they've got Huddersfield next, and if they lose to Huddersfield, mm-hmm. the, the collective... The best... Premier League team. Well, the the, the collective opinion no, they, of West Ham fans, as as I've as I've gathered from West Ham fan TV, is that that's it for Village. Yeah, he has the uh, sort of his club has the highest expectations of uh, the other teams with managers on the hot seat, and then also as a body language doctor, just reading his body language, both on the touchline and in post match interviews, he's got that look of someone that's about to be fired. He's such an interesting manager, very, very, very charismatic, and probably is going to be like should just go back to the studio because that's where like he has the most value yeah, in the world. Like honestly, him and yeah. Roy Keane just talking about football is great. I thought you meant the recording studio. No, I know. <laughs> phenomenal guitarist. Yeah, for his full John Mayer esque guitarist. Um, but yeah, I you know the 2008 Croatia team was was a great one, and that was a very. He was really like an awesome presence in that tournament. Um, West Ham was good two years yeah. ago when he first yeah, they got finished there. Seventh a couple years ago with mm-hmm. 
Paye. Yeah, West Ham with has, has had some success with him, but I, I don't know that he's necessarily going to be able to get over the fact that West Ham like isn't allowed to play at home for like another few weeks. <laughs> well, there's that, and then there's also like Dimitri Payet was one of the best players in the Premier League, and like a guy that is just West West Ham doesn't have yeah. players that yeah. good yeah. ever. So like the fact that he's gone and they're now nowhere near as good. It's sort of it's simplistic, but it makes a lot of sense. Ryan, who's your manager on a hot seat? I think, I mean, based on all the reports we've seen, um, it's Frank De Boer mm-hmm. at Crystal Palace. Uh, weirdly, in the in the Telegraph story about this, apparently, this is just a direct quote. It has been pointed out to De Boer that he has lost the first three matches with an aggregate score of six zero. So someone <laughs> had, apparently had to tell him that they lost. Uh, and didn't score across their first three I'm games. I'm sure he knew that. Find that <laughs> found that really weird. He managed Inter. I'm sure it's like occurred to him. Look at the scoreboard. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think Crystal Palace. Um, I think they've been a little unlucky. I mean, they got Liverpool. They deserve to lose that game. They they almost sort of hung on for a tie. The other two games, Huddersfield and Swansea, those games. I you know looking back at them, I think they both could have gone either way, but. It, since he's a new manager trying to play a new style, there are already reports about how maybe he's lost the locker room. I think he's a couple things go their way. We're not even having this conversation, and it's it's really just kind of insane that they're that we're already hearing reports like this through three games. Like you need to give a new manager a little bit of time, um, and especially Michael, one that's uh, come in and tried to change the direct style of football that they played to save themselves last year. Yeah, he I wants mean, to play more Dutch. Pass it and move, exactly. Pass it and move. He wants to play total football with a team that was built for Sam Allardyce. Right. Like you can't do that. Like you, you don't have defenders that can link. I mean, that can play those direct passes That's straight why you to need the board to play the, the midfield. Mamadou Sako, baby, <laughs> 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 playing sweeper. Exactly. Yeah. Spraying passes. Okay. Uh, what was the best post-match interview this week? Uh, Aaron Ramsey, easily. Really? <laughs> I think I think Aaron Ramsey just you know like his dog died after the game like cannot look the interviewer in the face just giving the same like we just gotta do like we didn't have it we we gotta do better yeah, yeah he was like, subbed off at halftime too so he was in a polo shirt why did they interview him if he was subbed off at halftime for me because because <laughs> Wijnaldum lit, because Wijnaldum like pantsed him in the middle of the field twice well did you guys the on the first Liverpool goal like Ramsey's yelling at the Arsenal bench and Liverpool has already stolen the ball as in, and is breaking in on goal and Ramsey's just staring at the Arsenal bench yelling at them. It was... The, the Arsene Wenger, I have to give him a shout-out for best, po- best worst post-match interview. 130 seconds of pure genius right there, yeah. <laughs> he said uh, he had the temerity to say this, and I wrote this down. Quote, when we came back in the second half, we started to dominate the game. And the third goal killed the game. Uh, my jaw hit the floor when I heard him say we started to dominate the game. Well, that brings me to my next question. What was the most hysterical overreaction to Arsenal? I think that that was the most hysterical underreaction to Arsenal. Ryan, what did you think the most hysterical most overreaction? Most hysterical overreaction is my dog, Miles, who every... <laughs> I watched the game with Chris, and every time Liverpool scored, he jumped on the couch and tried to... Just started to try to bite Chris's hand off. Yeah, it was good. I liked it. I like. I like. I like the feeling. Like, I can't say that I want Raheem Sterling to celebrate with the fans, and I don't celebrate with exactly. Ryan's dog. What's going on? We live this. Uh, one of the things I wanted to get to. It's only been three games, and there's always going to be a couple of teams like Huddersfield that are like 
floating above their their weight class, I think. But for you, Micah, who's the most for real low or mid tier team that's currently flirting with with Dreamland? I really am gonna say Huddersfield. <laughs> I mean, look, they're Listen, really they're really competitive. They're well, I mean, like they're just and you said this before, like also before the season really started. I mean, like it was the first game, and it's just gonna like they're gonna be fun until people figure out what to do with them. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's still they are an extremely awkward proposition, <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, mean, like, and they and they they're they're fun to watch because also, especially when you're watching them at home, uh, particularly what when they were playing against Southampton. I think it was just like towards the end of the game, it was just you know any time they broke up a, a hopeful ball into the box or somebody intercepted a pass or did something very like mundane, mm-hmm. like the the entire cr- like the the place erupts. Yeah, the, cr- the crowd <laughs> like, gets how they play. Exactly. Yeah, it's that's like, one of the cool things. It, but I like distinctly remember it feeling like it's kind of like when everybody claps when the plane lands like <laughs> Ryanair. You're like, supposed to do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but I mean, like honestly, I've they're 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 fun to watch. Ryan, what about you? Uh, Watford. Nice. I think. They essentially played Liverpool toe-to-toe, in my opinion, the first game. Um, got the draw. Then they just ran over Bournemouth, ran them off the field. And then a uh, year-long suspension-worthy tackle from Miguel Britos uh, <laughs> against Brighton. Can you describe this a little bit for people? Um, so the Brighton players essentially just dribbling down the right sideline yeah. and Britos comes in basically launches himself off the ground I, also Cleats. has a 35 yard look at it yeah like starts has running lined knows up. exactly what he's gonna yeah. do sees red and then <laughs> just flies in and his cleat basically comes in like right below the guy's knee and <laughs> Immediate, and then, immediately gets sent off and then is yelling at the ref from the tunnel beat wait, like you mentioned the best did, part the guy goes cl- like flying into the advertising hoarding, <laughs> and there's a microphone right there. So it sounds like a Blues Brothers car crash when this dude hits the wall. It's like, <laughs> and Brito's is like, no, Brito's is clean. Brito's is just like, I have never committed a foul in my life. Yeah, I yeah. don't know what you're talking about. That, that was great. I thought that there was some really good reckless tat. Like Bournemouth at the end of the Man City game were so tired. Mm-hmm. They were like, we are just gonna go two footed in on every. <laughs> and hopefully, like that, that's how like time. Went. But Brutus, I mean, I don't really know much about him. Is that is that in his his back catalog? Is that something he does? Uh, I, I I hate to characterize a guy. Oh, that's um, nice. Yeah, you know, I, no character assassinations for it's me. It's not his first red. Okay, no, <laughs> certainly not. Uh, Donnie, what about you? What's your low low to mid tier team that you're you're falling in love with that you think is is playing pretty well? Well, falling in love is. <laughs> you love Tony Pulis and his child of Tony. Yeah, tracksuit Tony. I mean, I don't think it's surprising per se. I mean, they are going to. We're talking about up, West Brom, obviously. What, yeah, the Albion. They're going to be at season's end pen them in right now 10 11 or 12th place but you do realize that if it weren't for a little mistake in the in their box uh over the weekend they'd be you know perfect nine points and have conceded no goals so uh i mean granted the first three games were bournemouth burnley and stoke but you know i mean it's like a typical uh, albion team they defend like mad they threaten off set pieces they frustrate they're very boring. I mean, even their highlights are boring. So it's not a fun team to watch, but you have to give begrudging respect at least. And you guys were talking big about uh, Tammy Abraham. I think Jay Rodriguez mm. 
is there's a shout there for some uh, I think he has one cap but I think you know he could break into the team he's looking really really good uh, they bought him from Southampton over the summer West Brom we and Gareth Barry don't forget him resurgent oh my god uh, now I'm gonna take back what I'm about to say Barry uh, <laughs> we'll probably talk a lot of shit about West Brom as the season goes on but some let's give him a little bit of respect Highest percentage of their shots in the league come from inside the six-yard box. Fewest percentage of their shots come from outside the box. So they're doing... It's terrible to watch, but their it's attacking approach makes some sense. It's terrible it's, to watch. And, and if you look ahead, though... Okay, so they, they have seven points from nine. And then I looked at their schedule for September. Brighton away. West Ham at home. Arsenal away. That's an easy three. <laughs> and, and, Wat, and Watford at home, so we could be looking at the end of September at them in the top in in, in, in a European place. So, don't say I didn't warn West you. West Brom for Champions League. <laughs> um, all right, guys, that's great. We're going to move on to our third third segment where we're going to talk a little bit about the transfer deadline uh, and the transfer window in a more macro sense. Talking about Kylian Mbappe, Alexis Sanchez, and Nabi Keita. We'll be right back. And Charlie Daniels. He'll be talking about that for a generation and more. That was a wonder strike. Okay, guys, we're back. We're as we're recording this, everything could go off in the time between we record and this goes this goes out. But a couple of things seem to be in the works or almost done deals. Uh, Nabi Keita is gonna be joining Liverpool next summer for something like a forty-eight million pound fee, I believe it is, plus a premium or something like that. And the premium has been rumored to be as much as 20. Although in this transfer market, you could say that 68 million for a 22-year-old box-to-box midfielder that you really, really like is pretty fair business. Uh, We also have coming across the transom right now that Kylian Mbappe has passed his medical at PSG, and he looks primed to join them from Monaco. He was probably the crown jewel of the transfer market this summer, and it looks like... uh, PSG has had probably the best summer of all time. You know, I mean, not really, <laughs> but I mean, they have definitely gone out and grabbed two of the hottest young attacking players in the world, you know, and, and they have increasingly legitimized that club, even though we're going to get into what legitimate means anymore. And then this morning, <laughs> a really, really, really wild story broke, which was that Alexis Sanchez, who is out of contract at the end of the season for Arsenal, is being, you know, he and he obviously did not cut the figure of somebody who wanted to be in North London anymore. He is on his way to Manchester City with Raheem Sterling and Cash going the other way, although apparently Arsenal would prefer Sergio Aguero. So these are three types of transfers that we haven't, we don't typically see a delayed transfer, which is something that, like I think is more common for the Bundesliga, is where you buy somebody who's going to be coming in the following season. Uh, a loan deal in the case of Mbappe, who's going to, I think, be loaned to PSG for a year with the option to buy. Well, a compulsion to buy. Compulsion to buy. Basically. And then almost a trade, Ryan, with Sanchez and Sterling. Mm -hmm. Now, the Sanchez-Sterling story could be BS. Uh, It's not, we don't typically see this happen a lot. My question to you is, should we? Does this make more sense for Arsenal? Arsenal doesn't need money. Is something like this a smart move for Arsenal? Um, I think we should see more trade deals just in general because I, we've talked about this a little bit. When you really think about it, the transfer market is like an insane thing. Like it's, uh, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy that one, that players just never hit free agency because 
teams either sell them before or they agitate for a move and get out. But like LeBron James every summer is getting offers from essentially every team in the NBA, right? And then sure. picking the best offer. Why would Alexis Sanchez not want to do the same thing? Right. Um, so th- from th- if trades sort of replace that, it's sort of it's easier to wrap my head around. I think I think it only it makes sense for Arsenal if uh, they think Sterling is like a player that they would want to sign anyway, right? Um, but I think with these, it's part of the reason we never see it happen is because transfers are super complicated and yeah. so many different people get fees that it's not it's not really ever a trade necessarily. It's like you're buying this guy and this team is buying this guy. I think one of the things, Donnie, that's it's important to understand about transfers, and it, it might be apparent to some people, but the reason these things happen is because they benefit a lot of people besides the players. Yeah, <laughs> A player is hoping to increase his wages and go for trophies and maybe get featured a little bit more, you know, like in the case of Neymar, he wants to be the star of a team that is like a crown jewel in Europe now. Um, But the reason why these things happen is because agents and teams want them to happen because it creates the transfer of money, right? Yeah, I mean, I think adding, though, the variable of or the prospect of exchanging players instead of just player a, player a going from team x to y i think is makes is going to make silly season even more silly yeah i mean that's certainly true um micah with something like when we when we look at the transfer deadline day from from the perspective of the states where things are pr- much more like i think straightforward in terms of like their salary caps and in most of the leagues um you, there's ideas about Re, like you know, a player's value commiserate to like what age they are, whether we have like buying or selling teams at trade deadlines and things like that. Mm-hmm. Teams that are in the process of tanking and rebuilding because they can replenish their teams through a draft. Do, what is about what is it about the transfer deadline day and specifically these deals that we've seen come across in the last couple of days that we're talking about that is so beguiled, like they're so interesting. You know what I mean? That's is it just that the, how different it is. I mean, like, it's it's how different it is, yes, but also the fact that there are only so many people that know about a thing that's actually happening uh, as compared to you can find literally any transfer rumor you yeah. want anywhere. Yeah, yeah, you were saying that the other day because yeah. you were like— Just go into Google, pick any players, like any search, team, and you'll find something. Yeah, if I search United Lewandowski, yeah. like, it'll come up. Well, and even, like, so we're the Agueros— Supposedly, the Guardian is reporting that Sterling is being offered for Sanchez, and this is the Guardian, you know, one of the most reliable sources. But then there are people at other like trusted places that are saying that's just not what's happening at all. Right. Arsenal wants Sterling; it's not so even Sterling like, has been great this season too. Yeah, yeah. He, he's it's this particular one I think is sort of Pep speaks really highly of Sterling too, so it's real. It doesn't. It's hard, it's hard to, to imagine that sense, you would get a young English winger who is only getting better under Guardiola and swap him out for not an aging forward, but well, a I mean, guy like who's 28 like twenty-eight. He, this is this is his prime. Twenty-eight, yeah. and he's played for Chile basically every summer for yeah. the past seventy years. It feels yeah. like, yeah. and he's going to play the World Cup this summer. Right. Yeah. It, it is. A, it would be a very strange thing for City to do. Although I obviously like. You know, Guardiola has, has turned on players before. He's decided yeah. he wants different players before. What do you think of the Mbappe deal? I mean, it's just like 
does the what? So I mean, like, what is the actual? You guys are dumbfounded. Right? No, I mean, like, like, it's it's a it's a loan with an option to buy, like you said, but with this actually a compulsion for 155 million euro. And it's basically like they were. I, I think that UEFA they need UEFA to sign off on this for FFP. Yeah, yeah the the reporting of this is that PSG is speaking to UEFA. Like that is part of the holdup. They're talking to UEFA to, I guess, make sure that it's okay what they're doing. But it's like, like the point of loaning a player is not to get around financial regulations. No, it's supposed yeah. to right? be so that you don't have to pay his wages while you're trying to figure out what to do with him. Yeah, or to get him game time. Right. Which you know, Monaco. That's nice of them. Yes. You know, letting Mbappe get. So a I mean, like this PSG. year, this year, like delay just feels like a way for them to get more money off of the books. I don't, like it's. Well, it's just it's that's exactly what it is. It's, yeah. They don't pay the transfer fee, so then there's less. I mean, get it, financial fair play. Like it's almost impossible to talk about it because it's not. There's not like a strict way that it's enforced, right? Right. So, <laughs> essentially, PSG has to make a ton of money to make up for the Neymar purchase to not violate financial fair play. Right. So if they then bought Mbappe, who Supposedly, it's going to be for around 170 million pounds. They're going to—it's not in the deal, but they're basically a handshake agreement that they're going to buy him next summer. If they then added that to their expenditure, they would have to then make up so much more money. Right. So it's just a very obvious ploy to get around. They would have to sell Draxler, Di Maria. All of them were—you know—I mean, they might have to sell a couple of them anyway. That's the thing. Putting something on layaway, but being able to wear it out of the store, like yeah. And I think some of the the issue people have with this, Donnie, is like, you, you know, this is not that much different than what some of, like, there have been great teams over the years who have accumulated huge amounts of talent and been able to outspend people, whether it's uh, Real Madrid when the Galacticos yeah. were happening. I mean, the you know, Juventus teams were putting together these beautiful, um, like, inc- like you know, Pavel, Pavel, Ned, Pavel Nedved teams and had, you know, Zidane. And they had, like, th- these teams bought the best players. The sums are so out of control. And I think that City, PSG, they represent, like, a new money in the game mm-hmm. that people yeah, are yeah, sometimes yeah. like, are we sure we want this? Are we sure and we want to do this? You should also take into account that Dembele, Mbappe, these guys are teenagers, too. So... You know, at least when you talk about the Galacticos, you know, yeah. with Zidane and Beckham, etc. I mean, these guys were all, you know, in their 20s, in their primes. And they're buying raw talent. Or raw talent is moving for hundreds of millions of pounds. So, uh, No, I, it, I completely agree with you, Ryan. I, one of the things that is a little disappointing about this, I mean, if you're Mbappe and you're, you're rumored to, like, command that kind of fee, and if you're Monaco and you have this guy and he's had essentially good, a good six months yeah. and you mm-hmm. can sell him for this kind of money, mm-hmm. you're never gonna, he's never going to be more valuable than this. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're If he scores 40 goals next season, it's probably going to be the same fee. Yeah, you know, yeah. you're not going to pay more than you did for Neymar. But the problem with this is that there used to be, there was, like, an order to things in which a guy like Mbappe would come up at Monaco and then go maybe to, I, I don't know, Inter yeah, or something. Or like Dortmund. Yeah. Or Dortmund or Everton or something where there was like a more of like an even distribution of talent mm-hmm. and guys were supposed to take steps. And it was when they turned 25 or 26 that they would jo- join Real or Barca. And now it's like Barca's buying, like Donnie's saying, Dembele off of Dortmund after one season. And, you know, for Dortmund, great business. They get 10 times the amount of money they spent for him on rent. Yeah. To, to rent, yeah. but like, it just feels like 
all of the good players are concentrating on three teams now. Yeah, I, it's it's not great for I guess competitive balance, which is just not a thing in soccer anyway. <laughs> but but I mean, at the same time, you could make the argument that like this investment for PSG is way smarter than paying the same amount of money for a guy six years older. They're going to get, if Mbappe stays with PSG, they have a striker for the next, what, 15 years? Yeah. yeah. So you, you could also look at it that way, but it is, it's, it's, I don't know, like, what the future looks like if every good 19 and 20-year-old is being bought by Barcelona, PSG, He's Real not going to stay at PSG for 15 years, and we can already <laughs> Well, say yeah, that. and I think that there's there's a lot of reasons why that might happen. He could have the same trajectory as Neymar, where he could be playing next to Neymar for three years and then decide that he wants to be in his own team, that yeah, he yeah. wants to be, or he wants to go back to Spain, or he wants to try England. I mean, things change. Nobody could have would have predicted that Neymar would have gone to PSG four years ago or three years ago. I guess his father probably would have. Nobody would have predicted it, like, yeah. <laughs> five months five ago. Months yeah, right. <laughs> So the idea that uh, these guys are always going to be on this team, I would say that, you know, I think it's not great for the trickle down. I don't like, I, I think it's it's good to have guys on lots of different teams so that more teams are more competitive, you yeah. know. And I, I, at the same time, you could also say that at least PSG and Manchester City are adding, those are two teams added to sure, the hierarchy, sure. right? So there yeah. is that argument too. But, it, you know, obviously in... Not obviously, but in five years when Manchester City and PSG are just have every player, um, maybe we won't be saying the same thing. Any last notes on the, the Keita deal before we go? I think it's an uh, incredible deal for Liverpool. He, he was the most highly rated midfield prospect coming into the summer. They're, it's an overpay in the sense that they're agreeing to pay more than what his release clause is, clause is next summer. But it's a way by agreeing to that, Liverpool is securing this incredible all-around midfielder who can not an all-around midfielder in the sense that like he does everything well. He can do all the things incredibly well at an elite level, yeah. basically. So there, and it's going to be around sixty million probably. And that that's by being willing to wait a year, they're essentially locking in this super talent at a very below market rate. Um, he could get hurt. No, I mean, Red Bull could run I'm him into the ground. I'm definitely looking forward to his like, mystery back injury that yeah. keeps him off the field for I six so, months. Exactly. I was, like, I, was saying, I was saying this all fair. It's just like, if you have this player for another year, you have, there's absolutely zero reason for you to ever take him out of like the lineup, the yeah. team sheet. Like, I mean. But also like, if you're a Red Bull, you do Maybe you want to sort of build toward the future without him, so maybe yeah. you don't play him as much. Hopefully. I would say that <laughs> I'm just saying that if doors open so for whatever, a true let's holidays. just say for for the sake sake of conversation that making the Champions League is worth thirty million to RB Leipzig. Right. So you either you basically have the fifty million buyout, whatever the premium is, you have to pay him, pay the team for letting him go, and then if I'm Leipzig, I'm like, well. If we we you need to pay to, for the whatever we would lose in not making Champions League next year because we lose our best player, mm. and yeah. Liverpool was probably like I mean I don't think Leipzig was even offering that, but Liverpool is essentially doing that if mm. this premium is around what they're saying it is. Yeah, and it makes sense for Leipzig because they're getting if they didn't make this deal, someone would have paid his release clause yeah. and just and then they would have just lost forty eight million. But, but what could go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Positive Donnie. Uh, let's wrap it up there. We're going to be back next Tuesday to talk a little bit about the international break that we'll have just seen. We're going to try and start to get you guys familiar with some of the cool international teams out there as we head into the Russia World Cup next summer. We'll do a USMNT update. And uh, yeah, Tammy Abraham for England. Talk to you guys next week.